you're all, oh, it's such good news. <laughs> I love it, man. Welcome to Over 50, starting Ooh. over, everyone. I'm Barry Edwards. <laughs> and I'm Merle Garrison. Barry. We got a we got a good one for you at the end of the show. <laughs> Stick with us at the end for the lighters. Oh boy. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we're we're unearthing a, a big story. Oh, uh, uh, hey man, we've had a busy week. We I had to pull myself together. Uh yeah, we we really have. Yeah, so we did a podcast on Cyber Talk with Rex Lee on Wednesday, which you do uh you are co-host of every yes, Wednesday. Yes. I came on as a as a very very special guest. And um it was fun. It, you were know, talking, of course, about uh, AI and uh, the, the need for electronic bill of rights uh, because uh, social media is just manipulating the crap out of us. And we have no we're not we were never prepared for it legally. Not only were we not prepared for it, I mean, it, it the the way this worked, we couldn't even tell that anything was really happening until these insiders that developed these addictive programs left and decided to expose what they were doing. Right. Right. Uh, yeah. just so you know, I shared the screen thing. So if you need to share. Screen, oh yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So, uh, you could check that out on IBM TV and you'll see cyber talk there. It's really a good episode with a lot of good information. And then we get into casual conversation back and forth about it, which went very, very well. So it's worth looking at. Then yesterday, we had a special guest on the show. It should be coming out, I think, Tuesday. Uh, my friend, Irby Greenwood, who I've mentioned uh, several times in the past, his son was murdered last June. Mm -hmm. And so we discussed what happened there, his struggle with therapy, his struggle with dealing, it, dealing with it, and finally, his struggle with trying to find justice. Um, so I got some editing to do there. We did have some hiccups here and there. Of course, it was emotional. Of course. Yes. yes. And it's such private and personal subject matter that, you know, in retrospect, I could have done a much better job. Um, because my first credo was all along since this happened was to not have Irby ever feel exploited. Um, that it's his story to tell, not mine. And so I was surprised and happy that he wanted to come on when I asked him last week. And um, so I went with that. It's not my story to tell, but the truth of the matter, matter is now I've never co-hosted or hosted a, uh, a, a podcast like that, that is about personal tragedy. That is so personal. I, you know, typically we bring somebody on it's hey. What do you do? Why are you here? And what positive thing have you overcome and shared this great knowledge with us? It's, it's an easy formula. The personal tragedy thing, I suspect someday I'll be in that role again. I realize that if I'm to, when I do this again in the future is that I will lay the foundation in the very beginning, in the introduction. I'll totally give the framework of what happened, though I will write that out first and get approval from the guest first so they know what's going on. And then I would just provide a framework of the three uh, the three acts of the show, meaning the beginning, the middle, the end. We did have it in the sense of we did talk about the incident, how, how that unfolded, that that day and uh, the next day. And then uh, in the middle, we talked about his struggle with therapy, 
and trying to cope and the different stages of grief. We, we did that. And then in the end, we talked about the struggle with finding justice and the social ramifications. So we did do that. But if I would have provided that framework, this is for, you know what, we're talking more and more about podcasts there. We found that there's an interest in it. And this is why I'm laying that out. So anybody that is has a podcast or is embark or wants to embark on one, there's a good piece of advice on how to host. Yeah, it. I think so too. And I, you know, this is we're we're figuring this out, I think after a year and a half and gosh, we're almost, what is this? Our second to last episode before the end of the third season. Yeah. 24. Uh, yeah. yeah so, um, you know, okay. So I think it's 26 as a season, right? Yes. So we've got uh, two more episodes and we're done with season three and you yeah. know, we just, we're feeling this out. It's we're getting better at this. I thought it was pretty well done. Uh, considering the subject matter is very, very, very hard, very yeah. commendable for Irby to come on and oh, do this. Yeah. As, as you said, Barry, this was his story to tell. He wanted to tell it uh, for multiple reasons. What I saw was that number one, it was therapeutic for him to tell his yes. story. Yes. And uh, <clears throat> he, it was surprising to me. What he said was that uh, uh, it hasn't gotten easier for him. It's gotten actually worse since the days after his son's passing and uh you know so telling that story although hard and you could tell it was hard for him to tell the story it was it was good for him it was uh it, it was good for his soul to be able to do that and then secondly it's an unsolved murder he mm -hmm. needs to be able to get the word out to uh in, in every type of medium to be able to uh, get exposure so that somebody might come forward with evidence uh, to really shed some light onto what really happened with his son. And then number three was that he, he saw that in his tragedy that he had the ability to help other people that are experiencing the same thing. Or I even found that uh, where he started talking about joining in on um, uh, you know, finding out that other people were having tragic deaths and joining in the, the group really yeah. celebration of their lives and uh, um, even sharing in their grief. And uh, I found that that was uh, very interesting, very commendable. I know that Irby is hurting, but I can see that he's on a trajectory that's going to bring him to a place where he feels whole again. You know, he's gone. I've watched him go through these phases for a large part. And I, I'm going to tell you straight up, at least the first two months, he was in a state of shock. I could tell oh. that it wasn't processing, you know? Yeah. I, I think that that's your body and mind's way of protecting itself. Absolutely. It is. I, I think the mind went, oh, no, I no, we got to let this do a slow yeah. trickle, a slow yep. trickle in. Um, and now he is coming up on this is horrible, but uh, in a few weeks, he's coming up on his son's what would be his son's 19th birthday. Mm -hmm. Four weeks after that, he's coming up on the anniversary of his murder. I think these are going to be hard, the hardest times that he's faced yet, to be honest. You're probably right. Um, I can recall in my own life, uh, those types of anniversaries coming up are, uh, are tough that that first year. Uh, yes. is very tough and then every year after that the uh, the pain starts to 
subside a bit more and a bit more. I know that when you're in the middle of these things, it just seems like the pain is never going to subside in any way whatsoever. In many ways, he's never going to get over that. I mean, you can't get over something like that ever. But uh, there are ways of coping with it and also learning how to let those experiences strengthen you. And that sounds counterintuitive, but um, but that is something that you have to allow to happen if you want it to happen. It's, there are ways to strengthen yourself through this. And I think he's on the track of doing that by being involved in the therapy sessions that he's in. And I think that as he gains his strength that uh, he will find himself in a position where he can help other people. I, I could say this though, Barry, something I could very much relate to was that feeling that he had of how how do I get rid of this feeling of I, I want to get revenge here? I want to avenge the we death of my son. Of course. And wow, is that powerful? So we did talk about his struggle with that feeling for revenge. I think that was a very good conversation that you guys should turn tune into. Equally as important and powerful is his struggle with faith. And that is the number one reason why I just felt it was so important for you to be on the show. And I got to commend you. I thought you were just exactly what was needed on that show. I thought you did an amazing job. Uh, I think that you uh, found a new friend. Uh, you guys what? really... No. I really like him a lot. Uh, I yeah. could tell, I could see right away why you like, why you guys oh, yeah. hit it off so well. Yeah. And uh, I, I, at the end, I think we were off the air, but we uh, were. I wish I would have recorded that, like our after show. I yeah. thought about that later. Go ahead. Sir. Well, we were, we were, we were laughing about about your liquid cheese thing. <laughs> I forgot. I remember that from Silver Ghettos. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Even uh, in my loft. I remember yeah. you and Scott would come over. I'd bring out the, Rito the, the cheese whiz or whatever <laughs> that was. <laughs> what oh, do you he, do? That's got to be pure poison. Right <laughs> okay, just a little backstory. I Irby came over one time. I knew he was coming over, and I bought some snacks. I bought some of that. It was just in front of my face, and Lisa came home. I didn't expect her to come home. She and she <laughs> is like, what on earth is that? You know, she gets on me and I said, Irby brought it over and <laughs> totally busted. And um, then when he came over about a week ago, as a joke, he brought some of that over uh, and I'm at my rental <laughs> the place good now. stuff. Yeah, I took a picture of him holding it and I sent it to Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> Lisa's very health conscious with the food oh, and everything. This oh, yeah. is why oh, it yeah. was like sacrilege for Barry to have this oh, kind of yeah. what, what what this isn't even food product. This is something right. synthetic that was made in a lab that oh, for tastes sure. like cheese. <laughs> Put some coloring in there to right, get that right. green tint how out. Of we, it. How do we make it look like cheese now? <laughs> right. right. I did want to say that once again, I didn't lay the foundation of what we were talking about with Irby and just briefly his son last June went to a graduation party. He was just graduating from high school. He was about to embark on his career from internship to full-time employment at Lincoln electric, a great job, bright kid, uh, just a fantastic kid. And so remember it was just COVID just happened. The shutdown mm. really just happened. The George Floyd thing just happened. Mm. Uh, this was um, in a not so great neighborhood here in Cleveland where uh, 
but that, you know, a bunch of, you know, for the most part, good kids uh, had this uh, illicit uh, graduation party. And apparently there was an argument and a, a kid or two went home and got a gun, came back and uh, shot uh, Irby's son four times. And uh, we believe a girl as well, though she lived. Mm -hmm. So it was black on black crime in the height of the Black Lives Matters uh, movement and uh, riots, which all we like to call peaceful protests. But that was all going on all at that same time, along with Irby's extreme health problems. So we covered a lot of ground on that podcast. No kidding. I mean, um, Irby has over the last few years has been through so much with yeah. the passing of his girlfriend and then of 11 um, years and then his uh, his son, of course, uh, how horrible. Something that Irby said yesterday that I thought was such great advice when I was asking him what he tells his son, who is uh, the, the youngest son. Who, yeah, his, who his is, surviving son. Yeah. Is alive. And uh, he said, when you see a fool, uh, when you see a fool, walk away. Yeah. And um, he talked about the fact that he learned this late in his own life, but how this could have an impact on a young person's life. And uh, I got to say, that is some fantastic advice, right? If, 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 if young people would hear what Irby said right there, <clears throat> it would change. If, if they would heed that, it would change the world. Uh, I, I, I believe that, uh, Quite possibly, his son may may live have lived if that had happened. Uh, I don't know that for sure. Nobody does. Yeah. Uh, but um, but th this is this could save a lot of lives out there. The the whole pride thing is what gets us in so much trouble. When yeah. when somebody's acting ignorant and saying certain things that are inflammatory, especially during this whole. Uh, heightened tensions regarding yeah. races uh, people are are bound to say some really dumb things mm -hmm. emotionally emotionally triggered type things and your choice is whether to engage in that or not and Irby's advice is walk away and I think that it's such it's such good advice my, my own life I think about you know what good is it going to be if I get into a fight with this guy? What am yeah. I going to convince him with my fists? I mean, that's, that doesn't work. Right. Uh, and what ends up happening is you both end up in the hospital or dead. And, and is it lawsuits. Yeah, uh, is it, yeah, it a record. It? Yeah, a record, law, a legal record. No. Well, here's the thing. You could get into a fight in the street and get killed. And and, and then, you know, I've got two kids. What, they're going to lose their dad over something like that. Or 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 as a kid, you have your your whole life in front of you. The best years of your life are in front of you. And you're going to sacrifice that because some guy is an idiot. I mean, right. it's just not worth it. Now, additionally, to I. I suppose put the final cap on this is uh, what we talked about towards the end is his uh, fight to try to get justice. And the shame about this is, is that there were probably at least a dozen witnesses, a dozen people that know exactly who committed this crime and none have come forward. He's offered a, I think a $10,000 reward. We're still trying to get uh, word out. He is still on his own gathering information and uh, he's put some things together. And so it's ongoing. Boy, I can't even imagine how hard it would be to not only 
experience a tragedy like that. But then knowing there are witnesses and not being able to get any information about what's happening. I, I this is something that I thought about all day yesterday. Yeah. Um, I thought about, you know, in this day and age with forensic files, you know, if you've ever seen that show, I don't know how anybody can get away with anything like this, but just, I started to really think about, okay, there are people that know what happened and they're not saying anything and why, and it just boils down to fear and it's legitimate fear. They actually saw somebody get murdered in front of them. Mm -hmm. They don't want that to happen to them. Yeah. And uh, in, in, in these days, that's the kind of thing that happens. And so uh, it's a, the knee jerk reaction for me was to be angry that these people aren't yeah. saying anything. But then when I try to put myself in their shoes, I thought, man, they're just people, you know, um, they're, 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 they're afraid. I, it's, a, it's a terrible thing. There's a saying snitches get stitches. And, and they do. That's what they're told. So yeah. you're right. It's fear. It's legitimate fear. But then there's the other side of it. They got to live with that. How no, can we, they think about yeah. the terrible burden that these people have on them right now? I, mean, I the still, torment. the torment. I still think that would be mo way more uh, than enough motivation to anonymously give that information out. I talked about this with Ed Marie last night, and she was saying the same thing that anonymously, somebody should be able to give that information. But then I thought about this that, hey, something happens anonymously. And think about the criminal mind. Um, <clears throat> somebody's the inquiries start being made, and then they realize, hey, somebody's ratted me out. They could take everyone at that party out if they wanted to. You're right. And, and so, um, these things have happened in the past and they are, they, and, and this is the code of the, of the city now. And it this is. is the tragedy that's happened. I think uh, two, two other things I wanted to bring up here. The, the moment he walked into the emergency room with his ex-wife mm. and saw, and saw his, their son's body. He, he talked about the noise that his, the mother made. A scream like he's never heard before. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. just, you know, there's the bond between a mother and a, this is a child. He just turned 18, but come on, this is a boy. That's her baby. He, he he's, he's, he's legally a man, but this is her, this is her little boy. Yeah. And I just can't even imagine. That's so unnatural. It's so unnatural. Absolutely. Um, you know, there was one other thing. I can't remember it now, but uh, what a what a thing. I, I as we were going through this, I remember I, I, I kept looking at my watch and it was uh, it would only be one minute after the last time I looked at my watch. And it was so time was even it, it was sort of it was uphill. It was it was a tough it was a grind, but it was good. And yeah. uh, I, I'm I'm really uh Again, commend Irby for being able to talk about this this terrible tragedy. And I I, I pray that um, the folks that are that are responsible for this are brought to justice. And I soon. certainly do. Yeah, I certainly do as well. You know, he even touched on uh, talking about uh, the whole firearm debate, and he's like, you know, whatever That's you what wanna, I wanted to get to. Yeah, yeah. if you want to go and uh, use that as ammunition for your political things, he's like. No law would have changed what happened, you know? Well, yeah, that was that was a, 
that was a great point that he was, was making is that no law would have changed that. But I think another thing that he talked about was that there are social activists out there that that they hunt for occasions like this. They want to use occasions like this to exploit their cause. And that's exactly what he ran into was that there were droves of people that came out of the woodwork that wanted to use Irby, wanted to use his son's death as a way of promoting themselves. And another great piece of advice that he was putting out there to to, to be careful of that, keep an eye on that, that there are people out there like that. And what a, what a shame that there are people out there like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was shocking. And, you know, that's the why the first thing, uh, the main thing that was always in my mind was that I never wanted him to, him to feel like we were going to exploit that. I think uh, you made it pretty clear at yeah. the beginning of the show. And also it was his choice to come on the show and talk about these things. And I do think that you did uh, a pretty good job of making sure that's what he wanted to do. Yeah. And uh, even when we started to talk about the social issues, we we took a break before that and asked him if he was willing to talk about that. I wanted to go back to your original comment about setting up the story. Mm. I think you're forgetting that you're going to put the news story at the beginning of the uh, at the beginning before we even start talking. So I did forget that, that did a very good job. That news clip did a very good job of giving a general overview of everything that we were going to talk about. <clears throat> and so I think when you when you uh, put the finished product out uh, that uh, you're going to see that everything you're talking about that you wanted to do a lot. We pretty much did all of that. Oh, well, that's good. That's good to know. It felt a little um, to me being very conscientious about our podcast. I felt uh, I, I should have prepared better, but I guess maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. It was it was very <clears throat> the night before the interview, I didn't even tell Anne Marie that we were going to do this because it was a very sensitive and I didn't want to get myself all overwhelmed and especially set myself up to be overly emotional because I am very emotional. Yes. I was surprised. I only cried one time during <laughs> during yeah. the interview. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but then after the interview and I started telling Anne Marie about it, we both cried. Oh, my God. Yeah. It was really hard for me to, uh, you know, I, he means a lot to me because he's such a good guy. You don't, you know, yeah. you don't want bad things to happen to good people. No. So yeah, it was really tough. All right. Where are we going from here, Merle? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I wanted to just talk about um, the state of the state of the world out there today on the business front and uh, what we're seeing today is uh, at least what I'm seeing right now is a lot of things are starting to change around. I've been saying this for a few weeks in a row, but I mean, it, it's really happening. Um, people are people are becoming much more responsive. People are looking at their budgets now and looking at making plans for things that are outside of things COVID related and nice. um, having some great discussions that are out there too. And so uh, I, I, uh, I'm feeling pretty optimistic that things are going to turn around. I do hear stuff about, oh, a new strain and blah, blah, blah. But I'm just going to ignore that for now and just say, hey, things are starting to seem like they're, they're, t they're ticking upwards. And I hope that trend continues. Agreed. I am so glad that you, you shared that positive news. I didn't know where you're going with that. But I, boy, that made me feel really good because we have been... 
so inundated with the negative side of it. As you say, it's like every time they say something positive, then they say, well, don't forget those new strains. (laughs) Why do they they have to put that fly in the ointment? (laughs) Yeah, but then you go and uh, listen to something and almost under their breath, they say, but it seems that these vaccines are actually working against these new strains too. And then they go right back to- that's good. Yeah. I hadn't even heard that. Yeah, so you'll hear various things, and I'm just so tired of uh, hearing bad news. I feel like uh, I'm being manipulated by the the healthcare professionals because they're they think we're too stupid to uh, manage ourselves. So they have they to do. go overboard. Yeah, I know. I, when when is the CDC going to come out and say now? <clears throat> When you have snot coming out of your nose, you must wipe, you know, like, yeah, what, yeah, get your mother, call your mother to come over with a tissue paper. And, <laughs> you know, I mean, this is ridiculous at some points, but, but yeah, I'm seeing, I'm seeing positive stuff. Uh, people within my company are feeling very positive. We just got a, a statement talking about uh, the fact that, uh, cause we're under travel restriction right now. Mo- most businesses are. Uh, Fortune 500 companies have restricted travel, mm. especially for their salespeople. Uh, for instance, right now, if I wanted to go to a site and visit with a customer, I actually have to get permission from my HR department. Oh, uh, really? Before I can actually go out there. Yeah. <clears throat> Even uh, to the point where if I travel outside the state or anything like that, I have to report that to HR and then I have to quarantine for 14 days. These are things that are internal to. Uh, wow. many companies right now uh, in order to contain this uh, this this spread. And mm-hmm. so they we got a memo this week saying that these things are going to begin to be lifted over the next couple of months Great. and uh, that we're we're very uh, uh, we're very excited about that. of course, the vaccination has everything to do with why they're saying that. And now they are, actually mandating that everybody get the vaccination uh unless you have some type of a medical reason for not getting it but uh, are you but saying that's, that that's been a, a mandate uh, and that's, by, that's by, something by who by, who? by, the, by state, the company by, by the company okay right okay. and we're, we're seeing that um becoming a trend from a lot of companies is that they're going to have to make a mandate not everybody's doing that and uh, we're going to see how that plays out. Uh, yeah, I, I, don't know I haven't there's... heard of anyone do that. I mean, even Lisa at Metro Health, they don't have a mandate to. It's a choice. It's going to be interesting to see how companies respond, because here's the deal, Barry, that um, from a legal perspective, companies are still uh, liable there, there are legal ramifications. So, so, so let's say, for instance, I go to work and um, and I get COVID, <clears throat> and I infect somebody, and they get COVID and they die. Mm-hmm. Well, right now there's a possibility that that family could sue the company, and so the companies wow. have some liabilities here until Congress can pass some kind of an act that says that companies aren't liable for that. Mm-hmm then these Fortune 500s, really every company has to look at how do I protect myself going forward? And and this is interesting because what we don't have are laws that, let's say, for instance, you get the flu and you go to work and somebody gets the flu and they can say, well, I think I got it from this guy. And then they die. Yeah, there's There's not a way to right exactly. And under these circumstances that we're in, we're 
Uh, I mean, just look at the, the, the trial that's happening in Minneapolis right now uh, with um, that whole thing that happened uh, with the George Floyd. And <clears throat> we're, there's so many forces that are trying to affect that, the outcome of that trial. Uh, we heard this week that uh, if this person comes out of there as not guilty, that they're going to burn down the city. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, so they're getting threats like this. And, yeah. <clears throat> and under these kinds of circumstances, something like a COVID trial uh, could have those same kinds of forces against them. So we're in a very sensitive period of time right now. Mm. And it's going to, I think, you know, time's going to tell how these things, how the outcome of these things are going to work. And mm. I think we just have to be patient and let those things unfold. You've raised a lot of interesting points there that I didn't know about or even think about, like the, the companies being liable. Now, on the other hand, if they're mandating the vaccine. Now, what if one of the employees has a horrible allergic reaction to it? Then are they going to be liable for that? Damned I if you do, damned if you don't? I think that uh, there is quite a possibility that they would be. And I think Jeez. behind closed doors that corporate attorneys are probably looking at the statistics and saying, well, the odds of somebody dying from getting the vaccination are X percent, but the odds of somebody dying if we don't do something are probably more uh, uh, more probable than the other way around. So those are the things that they have to weigh out right now. I'm glad I don't have to make those decisions. Yeah. However, I do believe that as we look at this, we're starting to see where corporations, especially Fortune 500 companies, are in a position to dictate our lifestyle as we go forward. As we can see, uh, things like uh, Major League Baseball team and Delta and Coca-Cola and how they're pushing uh, the... Mm. The, the whole agenda down in Georgia right now with the voter laws that they just passed. Interesting that, you brought that up. That, you know, these these Fortune 500 companies and, and really large businesses are now seeing that they are in the driver's seat for controlling a lot of our cultural norms now. Ah, uh, yeah, but I don't think so, because I did a deep dive into that. I was very interested uh, because it's, it seems to me so like like Gillette, do you remember Gillette about a year ago putting out that really woke commercial that was like a, against toxic masculinity? You it, remember it, that? It, it's, it it's vaguely familiar to me. Horrible. <laughs> I mean, I couldn't believe it. And then Coca-Cola has also just vocally adopted the woke movement, right? I looked up both of these companies and they've been on a big downward trend for several, uh, several years now, both of them. Mm, so they're mm, very interesting. trying to turn the ship. But I think, I don't know. I don't know the percentage of this, but I, I think the percentage of people that have adopted this ridiculous woke movement is probably along the 15 to 20% of the population range. But the people that see it for what it is, there's a real, uh, I don't, uh, hatred against it. There's, it's just a despicable thing. So I think these companies are as big as they are, they should have some smart people there at the helm. And I think they're adopting some really dumb, uh, harmful policies. 
Yeah, um, here's a story on that is that uh, Yahoo News and uh, YouGov report that nearly 35% of Americans have started to watch less sports expressly due to woke social justice messaging. Nobody wants to see that crap on television. Here's the, here's the, so (laughs) this is the crazy thing though, is that The, the even though they're hurt financially, they seem to double down every single time. I don't get that. I, I don't really I don't do. get it either. Yeah. And here's another thing is that, you know, I like Coca-Cola. In fact, I just said it. My mouth kind of watered. <laughs> uh, I, I haven't had one for forever, but I uh-huh. sure do want one. And um, and now, you know, if I drink a Coca-Cola, I'm now like a part of this, you know what I mean? Yeah, like I'm, I'm drinking in social justice and it tastes not so good. And, right. You know, this is like the, like you're, remember when they came out with the new improved Coca-Cola and yeah. they screwed it all up. It's like, <laughs> quit screwing around with my formula here. Now I've got social justice in my Coke. I don't like that. This tastes yeah. horrible. That's what I mean. Um, I don't follow. I don't follow how they justify that because they're turning off a lot of people. They really should just mind their own business. That is that- so let me ask you this, Barry, because I don't know. It's you know, we talked about this on Wednesday. I after Wednesday and all the research I did regarding like cyber uh, manipulation yeah. that's happening, I just was like kind of in a funk, like, okay, I don't know what to believe. I, I can't, I can't, I watch the news. I, it doesn't matter. Fox, CNN, MSNBC. Uh, I, I don't believe any of you guys. You, I, I, agree. I was angry. I was like, liars, everyone's lying to me. And and so I, then it's like, I don't know what to think. So, so I have to now come up with my own theories, you know, call them conspiracy theories or whatever, but I got to li- read this, read between the lines, yep. read, that, read between the lines and then put yep. these two the stories together and the, the between the lines and try to figure out what the real story is. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. now you see what's happening in China right now and they're, they're making all of these moves. And, and, and so, so that <laughs> get this Barry. So the day that the major league baseball decided to pull out of Atlanta, the very next day, Major League Baseball solidified a deal with Tencent out in China, which carries all of their baseball games. And uh, this is the very same company in China that boycotted the NBA after that uh, general manager supported Mm -hmm. Hong Kong and their civil rights to protest. Well, they boycotted the NBA. The NBA is making more money off of China than they are the United States. So this is, this is, they are a massive market out there. And so the very day that they moved the, the, the uh, all-star game out of Atlanta, because it didn't suit their values, they made a massive deal with an oppressive government that's got like a million Uyghurs who are Muslims in concentration camps. And we're hearing stories coming out of those concentration camps of, of rape and mass murder happening there. And, um, and, and so does that, uh, we're talking about values here. 
and we and they're saying we can't do business in Atlanta because of their voting privilege or their voting rights values. But we're going to do all this business with China. Well, what about their values? Mm-hmm. And you know, it's funny because Jen Psaki has been pushed on this, and they, they she just gets mad at the whole thing because sure. they're they're saying, well, when are you going to boycott the Olympics? Because the Olympics are coming up in China. And there's no plan to do that whatsoever. Here's the next thing is they talk about values. And I'm, I'm a, you know, looking at history, it wasn't until 1947 until they let black people play in the major league. Mm-hmm. So what you're, so, look, you, uh, okay. That's just crazy just to think about that. They're going to be the moral bastion here when they didn't allow black people to play in their game. This is just, and lastly, this is just a game. Um, And Joe Biden is out there saying, I'm very proud of the the players because they're the very ones who are the ones that are oppressed. Really? Uh, I think they're millionaires. Yeah. Uh, every single one of them. They're God. not the oppressed people. Uh, black and brown people. There's no war against black and brown people here in this country. Right. Uh, we have some, uh, there's extremely prominent black and brown people here. The richest woman in the world lives here. Her name is Oprah Winfrey and she's mm-hmm. black. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a black president. We can go into all of this. But anyway, yeah. the oh, last thing is Don't forget this. the new Asian hate rage that's huh. going on. That's well, all manufactured. Absolutely. Here, here, here's a, oh, it turns out this whole thing. I mean, um, it, it's it's so jacked up, and and every every single way they went to Colorado to to Denver to uh, to 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 do the All Star game, and you know, in Denver, uh, Colorado has the same kind of laws that Georgia has. In fact, it's actually a little more restrictive in Colorado than it is in 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 Georgia. And then you take a look at the the population over there. If this is about Black Lives Matter or Black Lives in any kind of way, you just moved your game from a population that is 54% Black to a population that's 7% Black. Mm. (laughs) I think that's just insane right there. Like, what, what are we what are we doing and then you got stacy abrams out there who was pushing it turns out it, she was behind the scenes the whole time pushing the major league in fact the uh, commissioner from baseball had just met with stacy abrams and uh some some uh a company that's uh, affiliated with lebron james and they were the ones that were tell and also al, al sharpton you know the <laughs> usual suspects here yeah. they're the ones that had a meeting with the commissioner and then the next day the commissioner made a decision to move out of atlanta now stacy abrams comes back and does an op-ed and says uh you know hey i stand with you guys but don't leave Atlanta. Um, you know, we're going to lose money. I don't want to hurt the people here. Uh, and, uh, and it's really the Republicans that these dastardly Republicans mm-hmm. that made these choices here. The fact of the matter is she's saying that the laws in Georgia are Jim Crow on steroids. Yes, and yes. that is outrageous. Cause when you look at Jim Crow laws, 
you don't have to put those laws on steroids. They already are on <laughs> steroids. And if you think that uh, requiring an ID for voting is Jim's, Jim Crow on steroids, I just want a reminder that, and also Delta Airlines, that, hey, we need an ID for everything we do. I don't know anybody that doesn't have one. And I've never heard that it was right. racist to have to produce an ID. Like, if I've, I've been ID'd, I'd never thought, this is racist. Uh, it, you it know? Fries, I get fried when I hear that because it is a race. What they're pushing is racist because they're assuming that black people, uh, most black people don't have IDs or maybe don't have uh, the means or intelligence. They'll go and get an ID. That's what I'm getting out of that. Oh, I no kidding. Racist is all. Well, um, it's funny because uh, there are people that are out there saying, well, this is why we they have to write their driver's license number on the voter application to do uh, mail-in voting. And it's very confusing because there's a lot of numbers on the driver's license. Oh. And it's like, wait a second. Black, black people can't figure out what their driver's oh. license number is. And then Joe Biden himself says, um, you know, people of color, Hispanics and black people in 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 uh, in rural areas, uh, they, they just don't know how to uh, get on the Internet and, and get in yeah. line to do these vaccinations. Yeah. Oh, and in God. the inner cities, too, uh, they don't know how to do this. And then I saw a commentator come on and he says, wait a second. He just said that black and brown because it was a black guy. Black people don't know how to use yeah. the Internet in rural areas. But then he said also in uh, urban areas too. So black people everywhere <laughs> just don't know how to use the internet because they're too dumb. I you mean, know, that's the message that, that I mean, how he lets it get slip. that message. He lets it slip like every now and then, like, and you, I think the guy has the best of intentions, but what is clear is what a bubble he's been in his entire life. His job, he hasn't done anything. He's been in politics his whole life, just skating by, not doing much of anything. And yeah. so we, he lives in a bubble. I, <clears throat> I believe he has the best of intentions, but he honestly, he probably does believe that stuff. You know, he, he may. He may. Yeah. I, 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 I don't know what he's thinking, so I'm going to give you that one. And maybe maybe that's true. Uh, I, hey, some good news uh, that just came out of the what? White House uh, is that they're not going to do the vaccination passport. Oh, um, OK. Now, good. now that, that kind of came out of the blue. There wasn't a lot of here's why we decided it. But I had, again, putting a lot of news pieces together and trying to speculate, you know, what happened right there? Well, it goes back to the previous story that we talked about. Um, they are saying that having to produce some sort of identification to vote is racist. <laughs> so now they're going to say, I need a vaccination passport, not just to vote, but just to even leave my house. And so um, how is it? How is that not racist? when the vaccine when the the voter id is racist so in the meantime they've got this uh this bill called sr1 that's sitting in the senate right now and that particular bill is the the voting bill that would supersede what georgia has done 
and any other state that is that like uh, Arizona and several other states around the country that are uh, battening down the hatches as far as uh, their, their voter um, laws go so they won't be exploited. Well, SR1 would trump all of that and give complete control to the federal government. And the states won't have any say so in how they run their elections after that. So all of these things are related. Mm-hmm. Everything that's happening with Coca-Cola coming in and protesting and and uh, 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 Major League Baseball protesting what's happening in Georgia and also Delta Airlines, who I said, Delta Airlines, that you need an ID to get on their planes, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so these people are now and these companies are now involved in how America rolls out their voting and they are uh, about manipulating that and it makes you wonder what business is it of theirs to control that are the people like for instance go back to coca-cola did the people from that that buy coca-cola you know call coca-cola and say did they put out a vote and say all the people that drink coke believe this no coca-cola is making up their own mind this is what we want in their boardroom and we've got the money to make this happen and they're controlling this. And I think we're in a new age now of how politics actually work. Mm, I agree with you. So all of this is related. So, um, and you're seeing what you're expressing is the power that corporations have with their influence. Absolutely. And with our politicians, the reason that they love the whole racist angle so much and even politicization, it doesn't really matter if the Democrats are in there or the Republicans all that much because all they're doing is continuously dr- uh, drumming up these uh, racial controversies and things like that to kick the dust up because they are simply bought off. They're getting their money from the lobbyists. The, uh, these corporations are running things for the most part. They push out these these uh, bills that uh, in the guise of helping us out with a $2 trillion bailout that are mostly front loaded with things that are not in our best interest. And this is our, my money, your money that they are throwing around and for their own self-interest groups. And it's disgusting. And I'm going to say it again. They used all the racial division and politicization as a smokescreen because it works. It works every time. It's like, uh, hey, did you hear about Hunter Biden this week? Oh, yeah, you're a racist. And then, uh, then all you do is talk about defending yourself against being a racist. You know, <laughs> I know, right? That's the game. It's the game. It's a, it's the shame game. And it, it works. They, they, they're playing it. This is what we talked about last week is we, we got to figure out a way to become immune to the shame game. And you let do. me go back to uh, this thing um, with, um, with Coke. I understand that Coke has died gigantic interest in China, uh, that they are fast becoming their number one customer as well. Mm. So here's what's happening is, as you're talking about these, these multinational companies that now have political leverage within our country, these countries that uh, now have that that are now the the main customer for these American companies many times are, are, are China. And, and now these companies are beholden to what the Chinese Communist Party wants, because that's how they work, is that if, they, if you're gonna get our money, you're gonna have to do our bidding. And so we're seeing this happen with Coca-Cola now. 
we're seeing this happen with the major league and we're seeing it happen with the NBA. I mean, think about it. It was Stacy J- Abrams. It was LeBron James uh, company that was in there. Uh, and they're the ones that, and Al, Al Dumb Sharpton, um, <clears throat> moved, they're the ones that moved it. And is, is, uh, this is where I'm saying is, it seems like, China has a big role in this whole thing right now. I can't say that for sure, but that's what it, that's what it looks like. Yeah. China worries me in every level I can think of. They figured out, and we talk to Rex about this kind of stuff all the time. It's called hybrid warfare or soft authoritarianism. Um, This is a new type of warfare that's happening right now. One that, you know, the, the average person doesn't realize that this war is actually happening, but it is happening. Um, something that uh, Anne Marie was bringing up to me yesterday was uh, you go into the supermarket today, and many th- th- we had a very large uh, variety of brands that were on the shelf before COVID, and now after COVID, uh, there's not as many choices. Uh, and I don't know what that means, to be honest with you. However, one of the concerns that we had going into COVID was obviously the stores and how our supply chain works and stocking the shelves. And we started to see a lot of empty shelves right away. And we worried, are we going to become something like Brazil? Uh, um, uh, you know, Venezuela? are we gonna, Venezuela is what I meant. And it, it, are we going to be like a communist country right now? And we're starting to see, <clears throat> I don't know if that's what's coming true or not right now. I have no idea, but you start to see all these things start to come together and you, you got to wonder and and say, what's actually going on here. And nobody seems to be telling the truth. And if China really is in charge of all of these things um, that are happening, do they have something to do with what's happening at the border? Do they have something to do with what's happening with that fence around Washington, DC? What, I, there's a lot of strange things that are happening right now, not to mention COVID-19. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, <laughs> speaking of the border, did you hear that Biden now wants to restart construction? On the I did Trump hear that. <laughs> yes, I did. It, it, it's all his fault. And we're going to retake up the mantle of the thing that he was doing that screwed up everything. I, I, think- I don't know how anybody can follow this. I I know. I think the strategy is and it's uh, like if this kind of strategy actually works, it's not uh, it's a condemnation of the average American's intelligence, because I think that the strategy is let's make sure that we you know, this becomes the biggest problem ever right here up front. He just he's only been in the presidency for a few months and it's become this ginormous problem then we're going to say that it's trump's border problem and then i'm going to say i'm going to fix it <laughs> it seems to be a formula that works every single time it does. that's how what does they're this doing. work how does this work that's i don't get it but I, I I agree with what you said. Yeah. This is a condemnation of the intelligence level of American society. The the very notion that they can get away with this. I mean, I can just hear them in some boardroom right now. <laughs> Let's tell them this. They're so stupid. They'll yeah. believe anything we tell them. You know, I believe, I believe that. I do believe that. I believe that that's exactly how that goes. The useful idiots. It works. I I. I 
I think so too. And and so we have to be very aware that we've been compromised and we have to realize that even the news media, you know, I go back to that China thing. Uh, how easy would it be for them to buy off the news media? I mean, look, well, money talks, right? Like we go back to those fortune uh, or those multinational companies that you we were talking about, mm -hmm. the lobbyists and everything, and this new strategy of using these companies to influence elections and influence um, our culture. Well, think about it from a political, if you're a politician, I would, it, let's, I'm just going to put myself in their shoes. I, that, I'm rich. Oh, <laughs> gonna, yeah. I am going to make more money for doing nothing yes. than anyone could possibly even imagine. I mean, yeah. this is this is almost like if you're if you if if you've got an evil criminal mind, this is like the most brilliant thing ever because these it's, guys have unlimited amounts of money yes. that they can just pour into you to make you say to have you. All I got to do is read the script. Okay. And that's what they're doing. The perfect evidence. I mean, the most obvious evidence is again, Hunter Biden is in the news in more drastic ways than ever, but they pushed it out of the news and until now that the manipulation of mainstream media is just unprecedented. You know, what's interesting is um, you brought up Hunter Biden. So um, I just have to say in the news this week was Hunter Biden. And, and so it was just kind of funny to me uh, that he's saying that uh, regarding his laptop, that the, oh, the famous forensics. laptop. Forensics prove this is. Yeah. So he's saying that, yes, I lost my laptop. Um, it was stolen from me. And he's saying that it was the Russians that hacked into his oh laptop and put that information in there. Oh my God. You know how many people <laughs> are thrilled to hear that? The Russians. Oh, the Russians have been the, gone for too the, long. You know, the Russians come in with their white hats <laughs> to save the day. <laughs> Yeah, they, they really love using the Russians, you know, <laughs> whenever you need a gap to fill, that's the Russians. Yeah, those dumb Russians, they did it again. I mean, I guess they're not so dumb. They can they, they're pretty smart, actually, if they mm -hmm. can do all this stuff. But uh, it's it's pretty funny to me. Hey, that, but that just, happened. Uh, speaking of political degenerates and, and, and gossipy kind of stuff, how about that uh, representative Matt Gates? Yeah, what, what what's your take? Oh, I don't know. I don't go too uh, far down those rabbit holes because it doesn't really interest me that much. But boy, this is just another like entitled kind of guy that that's what politics can do to you that, you know, he's paying off hookers and uh, just running around with a bunch of floozies and stuff like that. But I saw, you know, I like to read the comments. So when I read a, I see a, a YouTube video, I love it. The top rated one goes to the top all the time. The comment is, that's what happens when you look like an 80s teen movie bad guy. Hmm. Well, he I'll does. tell you what. Uh, I, uh, I I think this, that Matt Gates. if you watched uh, the the trial for the impeachment uh, last year, Matt Gates was Matt Gates was on fire and mm. the guy actually had serious chops and mm. he made the Democrats look absolutely ridiculous i didn't know that uh, he had great proof great points great logic uh he actually is a major threat to the democrat party mm -hmm. um he's uh he's probably a guy that could potentially be 
uh, a future president from the Republican Party. He's mm. he's actually that sharp. I've actually been following this guy. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact of the matter is, is if you listen to him speak about what's happened, his father was called uh, about a week before this came into the news, and he was uh, ran. He was he. he the, the deal was that they had to pay over a million dollars to this particular place in order for this story not yeah. to come out. Yeah, yeah. And so um, here's, here's what I see, Barry, is first off, I'm not seeing any proof or any evidence that this happened. Uh, he, the man just recently got engaged. He, does, he has had his, his fiance traveling with him to different sites. He puts her up in a hotel uh, with him, with his money, not with any kind of campaign money. And uh, they're saying that he has been with this 17-year-old girl. They're not, there's no name. There's no 17-year-old girl that, that they're, they're bringing out. I don't know. Look, I don't know Matt Gates. Uh, I don't know what the truth is, but here's what I do know is that the easiest way to bring down a politician is to accuse them of sexual uh, oh, yeah. harassment. Yeah. Yeah. And it seems like this is the tactic. And when you take a look at what is happening right now, people like Matt Gates are under attack because they are conservatives and conservative to the constitution. And and I just heard Joe Biden say this yesterday. He was talking about the Second Amendment and the executive orders that he just passed. And people were asking, people are concerned. Are you trying to change the Second Amendment with executive order, which is illegal? You can't do that. And he said, no, I'm not doing that whatsoever. And he said, and, and by the way, <clears throat> no amendment in the Constitution is universal. He just said that yesterday. Yeah, I saw that. I so what does that mean? I never heard anybody say that before, but this is a progressive ideology is that the uh, that the Constitution is a changeable, evolving document. And that, that's really a progressive ideology right there. Yeah, I know. But, but conservatives uh, you, don't believe that. Uh, I want to get so back this to is this is the this is the dilemma that's happening between Matt Gates and uh, and and what's happening here. Uh, between these people, there's a there's a war between these people, and if mm. we take them out, uh, they they're they're gone. Let me just, I just have I was leading to a point here, Barry, and that sure. is if you take a look at Cuomo and think about uh, how they how they're bringing him down. Yeah, uh, and there's like ten or eleven women out there that say that he's sexually harassed him. Um, that's not happening to Matt Gates, by the way. There's not a line of women that are coming mm-hmm. out saying that. Mm-hmm. But here. Cuomo actually has got 15,000 deaths that he may be responsible for, rather than bring him down for that, which is way worse than these 11 women, they're bringing him down with the 11 women thing. So my point is this, politically, when you want to bring your opponent down, don't use anything except for sexual misconduct, Mm -hmm. because it works almost every single time. And that's a... I'm, I don't know what's happening with Matt Gates. I don't know him. I don't. I, I couldn't tell you. However, this is not passing the smell test for me. Well, I follow you. Uh, from the start, I thought the 17-year-old accusation that you know that's what they originated with. Uh, I thought that smelled funny. Um, and I have no idea. Here's what I know: is I watched his interview a couple of weeks ago with Tucker Car- Carlson, mm-hmm. and it was bizarre. Um, 
he would bring up things about, well, I always bring women and pay for them and uh, all their stuff. And so I, I, yeah, I agree that they're, they, the, whoever sees them as a threat trying to take them down. Uh, but I think that uh, he knows that he's got a lot of moral indiscretions in his past and he's, tr he's been trying to get ahead of that. Mm. I don't know if you could say that. I mean, you could That's speculate that. Yeah, know. you could speculate it's that. I, I think I think that um, everybody in, that walks the face of the earth has something that they don't want to come out into the mm -hmm. general public. And sure. I can I can feel for these guys. Uh, he's a, he was a single guy, not married. And, you know, I, I can't imagine what kinds of uh, pressures are, are on those kinds of people. Nothing's excusable, though, if you've crossed that line. I say this bring the evidence. If he's guilty, bring the evidence and let's, let's let the evidence speak for itself. But at this point, I haven't seen it. And I do think that this kind of tactic scares good people from going into politics. Absolutely. It does. You gotta be, I don't know, a little narcissistic, a little crazy or 100% a knight in shining armor to go into politics. Uh, I, I just very want, few of those. I just want to say this, that you know, back to conservatives are under attack. And right now is a time where uh, the opponents of conservatives smell blood. And, uh, you know, the, ever since the, the January 6th thing, it seems that there has been a push to try to marginalize conservatives in every single possible way. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, and this seems to be a part of they, he, Matt Gates. Uh, from the house is is one of their leaders and so to, to pick off these guys one by one you saw what happened to josh holly how the publisher uh banned his book that he put out mm -hmm. uh you you see that there's there seems to be a a pattern here that keeps on happening and mm -hmm. we'll see what happens uh we'll just have to see what happens i do say this that the problem with this tactic is when somebody does do something wrong, it gets conflated with all of these other people that with these fake issues that keep coming up yeah. until it becomes like the boy who cried wolf, that when something really happens, nobody's going to believe them. Yeah, it's it's part of, you know, like what I was saying a little while ago about how they love to use racism and everything because it kicks up the dust and then yes. you can just do whatever you want underneath uh, the radar. This is the <laughs> same, the, the whole politicization and they've been very successful at uh, making progressive progressives think that conservatives are evil. And I mean, right. I, you said marginalized. Oh, no, it's way beyond marginalized. No, it's evil. And I mean, there's like the, the whole Nazi racist, racist, uh, white supremacist. It all goes into that little melting pot right there. And it uh, really does. You're it's right. just like the race card. It just kicks up a lot of dust. It gets people talking about all this uh, irrational. It gets them to be behave irrationally. And it then does. you can't think straight. And they can just do whatever they want behind the scenes. I saw this with the uh, vaccination passport, where the statistics show that 47% uh, of Trump supporters had said that they were not going to take the uh, the vaccination. And what better way to uh, put those people away and, and make their voice not count? And, mm -hmm. they, you know, again, I don't know if that was their tactic or I don't know if that's why they pulled it off the table. But uh, it was the first thing that came to my mind. And if it was the first thing that came to my mind, it had to have come to their mind as well. Mm -hmm. Hey, I wanted to also bring up, you just uh, pick, 
uh, go off of your uh, thing about everything is racism now. Yeah. yeah. So we've got this uh, massive uh, spending plan on infrastructure happening, mm-hmm. which, by the way, they've redefined what infrastructure is. If you look at that bill, uh, they that's a tactic that's happening. We've talked about this on the show where we redefine words like oh, yeah. uh, racism has been redefined and, and many other words have been redefined. Oh, yeah. But how it about turns the word- out... Dude, how about the word progressive? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's a that's a very good one. Yeah. Um, it turns out that uh, they're saying Buttigieg is saying, and he's in charge of uh, the infrastructure. He's saying that our highway system has been systematically racist, and that we right. actually put highways together to divide. Uh, neighborhoods of color uh, to separate families from each other. And uh, boy, how did I you come up with that? I, you know, this has not been in any of my history books or anything like that. So I just, I, you know, when people say these kinds of things, it's like, boy. You know what? My office is racist. I have, and, and it's a corporate thing. I think it's it's a systemic systemic corporation thing. Because they made this stapler black and yet marketing, marketing sold me this white cup and And they're separated. I'm telling you, Barry, and and this one can be lethal. The black one can be lethal. Look at the- Well, hold on a second. No, no, you're looking at it all wrong, Barry. You see now the black thing, look at it. It's a stapler. It's trying to bring unity and bring things together. The cup. It's just trying to make things all wet. You know, I mean, when will the cup learn that black is always right? That's crazy. But that's what's happening. You can you can shoehorn it into anything. You really can't. I mean, Buttigieg just proved it. He he really did. And so don't you feel kind of sorry for people that see the world that way? I mean, Mm -hmm. how how miserable do you have to be? I mean, how miserable would it make you? If you, everything you saw was racism. You said about 15, 20 minutes ago, um, we circled back to the same conversation again. And you said, we got to get immune to that. And we do. We, really do. we have to point out the silliness in in the subject matter. And, uh, yeah. and Buttigieg, just, he just hit a whole new low uh, with that. We should be making jokes about this. The whole racist thing, we need to, uh, you know, don't let it tweak you so you get an adrenaline surge when i mean seriously that's what happens it's true everybody gets so afraid that they're going to be called a racist that they got to call you one first so <laughs> it's a preemptive strike against exactly the, where we're at the racism charge it's silly it's it's yeah, to it really the point is. of silliness we gotta recognize that and start making jokes about it we need to let our comedians start uh, telling us jokes about it and and so we can put it in perspective we need to start being able to make comedy movies again which yeah, can- you know you know what's really interesting about what you're saying barry is i saw this great interview with a comedian adam um Corolla. And mm-hmm. uh, he was talking about how comedians are it. really our last bastion for hope oh, yeah. when it comes to free speech, because, you know, the comedians can get away with anything. They can say whatever they want. And, and typically they're, they're talking about 
what's happening in our culture. Mm -hmm. And they're making jokes about some of the things that are tough about our culture, but we've seen that those kinds of, uh, um, that kind of art can bring about societal change. Yes. And uh, what, what Adam Carolla is saying is that comedians now are scared. They are. The woke mob. Yeah. And they're being cut off from society if they don't say the right things. And what yeah. the net effect of it is, watch Saturday Night Live and tell me if you laugh one time during the whole thing. Oh. It's not funny anymore. No, no, you can't be. And I mentioned before Alec Baldwin, who makes, he's cringy, so cringy. A comedian said about his Trump performance, which was horrible. But I guess if you're full of hate, you, you know, that kind of hate that you like it. But a comedian said of that, uh, comedy that comes from hate is never funny. No, and that, he was talking about Baldwin's performance. Yeah, I so, agree. Yeah, it's awful. You want to start lightening things up here? Yeah, yeah. Let's uh, let's, crack I, this I, nut. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's a that's actually not. That's terrible. <laughs> anyway, uh, go yes, go ahead. You're all red, by the way, already. Uh, I'm looking for, here we go, here we go, here we go. All right, all right, all right. So this is what we were laughing about at the top of the show. I have not gotten a chance to read this whole article yet, but I, I said to Merle, Merle, listen to this article. This is like crazy. This woman discovers her son's bride is her long lost daughter. And I'm like, oh, how cool is that? Merle's like, oh my God, that's horrifying. I said, explain that, Merle. I didn't see that angle. <laughs> So yeah, I was like, I said, uh, well, what a bummer. And Barry, you were almost like insulted. Like, what do you mean? What a bummer. And I'm so like, nice. Yeah. She found her daughter along. You got to hear the story. I'm like, I don't care what the story is. Her son is having sex with her daughter. I mean, this is his sister. This is his sister. Yeah. yeah like, the, the, the brother and sister. I mean, this is horrible. And I'm, I'm, how horrible for these two to, to discover it this way. And yet the mom's probably really happy. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I didn't get a chance to read it all. And I'm like, what happened? First of all, what happened to the daughter? Um, and I'm, I'm, and it does say her soon to be daughter in law was her bio is her biological daughter. Oh, what a okay, so, so they didn't get married. I God, you know, I think the damage is Oh, done. no, it says Don't the you? reunion. Yes, occurred at the <laughs> wedding. <laughs> <laughs> wait now turns wait, out she is, this, is that the who's covering their mouth is that the wife of the the she's like oh my god i almost married my 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 brother oh, <laughs> okay turns out she went missing as a child and was picked up by her adoptive parents on the roadside some 20 years ago wow Wow. Um, I mean, think about it. There's like seven, there, there's like more than a billion people in China. The, the yes, odds of them the, hooking, yes. hooking up together are astronomical. Right, right. Uh, okay, because they found a birthmark. The mother noticed that the, uh, the uh, daughter-in-law here, it's bride-to-be, had a birthmark on, her, on the bride's hand, which looks strikingly sim similar to her long-lost child. I mean, this is mind-blowing with what you just said, you know. Billion yeah, billion. yeah. Determined to uncover the truth, the woman mustered the courage to ask the bride's parents whether she was adopted. After explaining her story and the and the birthmark, the bride the bride's parents eventually confirmed that yes, indeed, the child was adopted. So details quickly ironed out that the bride confirmed that she was indeed the woman's long lost biological daughter. She was uh, uh picked up along a roadside. Uh, when she went missing 20 years ago. 
It, oh oh wait, God. this is the end. We got questions here, people. The wedding would have been <laughs> the, the wedding would have been called off uh, at this point, but the woman also revealed that her oh. son was also adopted. Oh, thank God. Oh, thank God. Yes. Oh my God. Okay, it did have a happy ending. I guess it did. Oh, oh how I was strange. So concerned for this poor yes. couple. The wedding proceeded as planned. Okay, wow. photo of the bride crying and hugging her long lost mo mother went viral across Chinese social media. Wow, what a story, huh? Well, well okay, so there they were a lot of the end. They there were a lot the of end. details that were left out of that story. <laughs> like, for instance, <clears throat> did the son actually know that he was adopted? Because I could just see, like, oh, my long lost daughter, and she's so excited, and yet he's yeah. like, ew, I, oh my god, what do I do with myself? And then, <laughs> Oh, by the way, you're adopted too. <laughs> oh, <my God>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we have so many questions. Uh, but we need to, I we need guess to look this good person for them. Up. Yeah, <laughs> just that sounds very stressful. Like the whole wedding was very stressful. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. Oh, hey everybody. I just want to remind you. I'll leave uh, links to brilliant articles such as this in our show notes and you can get them dropped right into your email box as it happens if you sign up at over 50 starting over.com merle how about we wind this up and we just go yeah. into the after show sounds good to me barry and you guys i i i'm finally getting on top of things i know people are like man what is oh, what are these guys doing they're inconsistent with this after show they speak of i have forgotten to post it at times um I messed up the link like last. last oh, yeah. Night. I tried to tune into Briefly. the link last time and it said that it was a private room or something. The, the truth is what I did was I tried to schedule it for a couple hours after our regular show. Right. And it was that plus one day later. Oh, gotcha. and then I okay. caught it the next morning went, ah, and then made it live. So getting a hang of things here. Here's the plan that for you people that are listening to us on the podcast audio, I'm posting the after show, which I can schedule too. So I'm posting that I'm scheduling that to come out on Monday. So you get our, our, this show for the weekend, but when you get up in the morning to start your work week and go to the gym, you can listen to our brand new after show. It'll come out five in the morning on Mondays. Uh, but for the YouTube video uh, watchers, um, I am going to schedule just a couple hours after our regular one so that when you watch the show, it the the thumbnail for the after show will come up right there. You oh, can, that's pretty sweet. Yeah, but I like that. You can't go wrong if you simply sign up for the email list because the links will all be in there. There okay? you go. Over sign 50 up. starting over dot com. Right all right, everybody. Thank you for attending our whatever we call this. And uh, Merle, see you in the after show. All right. Sounds good, Barry.